0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro parlay hour what's happening everybody thank you so much for joining us this week my name is ken m joining me in studio as always you know him he's the co-host his name is padawan jay hello 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 folks we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies tv comics and more you are tuned into the entertainment edition of the odph and we definitely want to interact with you so make sure to swing by odphpodcast.com Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Check out Parlay Point's new comic reviews are up right there. So when you're going to the comic shop this week and you need recommendations, look no further. Because trust me, a lot of people are checking them out. So we're definitely doing some good things there. So we definitely want to give you some picks to go support your LCS this weekend. The directory, the classifieds, the T public store, anything and everything that is the ODPH can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag odphpod. But kicking off the entertainment edition of the show, there is a perplexing, mm-hmm. and, and I don't use that word often, perplexing issue that was announced involving DC Comics, Warner Brothers Studios, Warner mm-hmm. Brothers Discovery. Mm hmm. We need to dissect this. So, Pad, why don't you break down what is the big news shaking Hollywood in the comics?
1: Yeah, so uh, this comes to us courtesy of the folks over at Deadline, where the headline reads, quote, Warner Brothers shelves Batgirl with no plans to release theatrically or on HBO Max. And the article reads, quote, even though Batgirl is in the final stages of post-production... Deadline has confirmed that Warner Brothers and DC Films will not be releasing the movie on any platform, including theatrically. This falls in line with the mandate put down by the new WB re- regime to cut back on the feature films premiering on the streamer and deciding which films will be released theatrically and which will be shelved, and sources close to the project say word came down this week that Batgirl did not make the cut. The studio has also made the decision to shelve the Scooby-Doo pick Scoob holiday hunt the film stars leslie grace in the titular role brendan Fraser and michael keaton reprising his role as bruce, his bruce wayne part and was expected to bow sometime in 2023 as for the exact reason behind the shelving sources say the film did not fall in line with the new strategy being implemented by dc films as well as hbo max the studio is looking to make theatrical tentpoles with budgets at 90 million plus and from early footage seen, this did not fall into place with that model. Batgirl was green lighted at seventy at a seventy million dollar budget. The decision, fought this, uh, the decision follows several recent changes across company, uh, including major changes to HBO Max, with more expected with the upcoming earnings call later this week. The New York Post was first uh, first reported the Batgirl news close quote
0: stunned a little bit absolutely stunned by this. I can't remember a time, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that you had a movie that had this much of a budget, mm-hmm. is in post production, mm-hmm. and they just come in and go, nah, we're going to eat it.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, I, with doing a quick, you know google search and then there is a wikipedia list of list of abandoned and unfinished films and and there have certainly been stuff over the years i mean the wikipedia list for unfinished films you know has films from 1922 35 through 37 you know 1967 so there's been stuff over the years you know but nothing to the level of you know batgirl where it's gotten announced and it's you know the budget and the crew and and this and they even got one for abandoned projects you know stuff that just for one reason or another was was abandoned and not finished so in a hashtag odph pod if you if you the listener can think of something that we're forgetting please do so you know but i can't think of anything that's ever gotten this far along in production that they've just decided yeah we're done
0: That's the thing, especially in this day and age where comic movies are such a hot property... On all forms of media. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take a look at what's going on in streaming, you take yeah. a look at what's going on in the box office. Yeah. Not everything is Marvel, but still everybody is flourishing right now, at least getting the opportunity to get on screen.
1: And, and everyone's doing comic book things. I mean, Disney Plus, duh, Marvel. Sure. You know, HBO Max has their DC properties. You know, uh, what is it? Hulu has got some Marvel stuff that isn't like Disney Plus friendly.
0: It's it's in a weird transition it, phase. Yeah,
1: and then Amazon Prime's got kind of like the indie stuff and netflix has got their indie stuff you know so all of the major streaming platforms are involved in the comic stuff that like it, it may not necessarily be a, a huge tentpole but it's a pretty decent sized tentpole
0: exactly so the fact that warner brothers discovery has allegedly pulled the plug here
1: is mind-blowing to me well, I don't think there's any allegedly behind it because we did get a statement put out by the directors of the film uh, on their Instagram uh, accounts jointly. Well, I think it was because Instagram's got that weird thing now where like you can post it and then share it along with somebody, so it appears on both of their feeds. However, that works.
0: Yeah, there's some weird yeah. stuff going on there, yeah. in my opinion, too. Same thing with like trying to put a video up there, right? Yeah, now. Yeah,
1: because it's like you know the one account and the other account. Yeah. Uh, but so it's just our opinion. With the caption hashtag Batgirl for life, uh, the ca- the. Uh, Post reads, quote, we are saddened and shocked by the news. We still can't believe it. As directors, it is critical that our work be shown to audiences. And while the film was far from finished, we wish that fans all over the world would have had the opportunity to see and embrace the final film themselves. Maybe one day they will. Uh, our amazing cast and crew did a tremendous job and worked so hard to bring Batgirl to life. We are forever grateful to have been part of that team. It was a dream to work with such fantastic actors like Michael Keaton, J.K. Simmons, Brendan Fraser, Jacob uh, Scipio, Corey Johnson, Rebecca Front, and especially the great Leslie Grace, who portrayed Batgirl with so much passion, dedication, and humanity. In any case, as huge fans of Batman since we were little kids, it was a privilege and an honor to have been a part of the DCEU, even if it was for a brief moment, Batgirl for life. Close quote.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is so much going on with this film that to pull it like they are is, I'd almost say, like, groundbreaking because mm-hmm. never have I heard of a film with this much of a backing, yeah. with this much of a fan base, because DC Comics is a very, very big fan base, mm-hmm. to just go, we're going to write it off for tax reasons. And, and that's reportedly what it, is. Yeah, is it could, there
1: is they're writing this off for tax reasons.
0: Yeah, which is such a weird move and i mean this is uh kind of playing into the hands of a lot of criticisms that warner brothers discovery is was getting online from fans Mm -hmm. for having a very lackluster san diego comic-con
1: right and well maybe this is
0: why well no you have to think about it since the announcement of this whole merger going on in may 2021 Mm -hmm. and then it became i believe finalized in april of this year so like now everything's now fully come together yep this has been something that fans have been very opinionated about. Sure. Because, obviously, DC Comics, Warner Brothers have a lot of properties that, fan- that has millions of fans all over the world. hmm Seeing how their characters are getting treated and seeing the perceived lack of direction, which mm-hmm. I think is the only way you can describe it, is a little bit alarming. Right. And I know that they have some stuff coming out. Right. Obviously, Shazam to yep. Black Adam, yep. Aquaman to. Yep. After that, it's almost like everything else is up in
1: the air. Right. I mean, there's stuff that you would figure they would do a sequel to, like the Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. given how well that did. You know, and then obviously Batman, the Batman two with with uh, Robert Pattinson. That's that's getting a sequel. We're getting another one to Joker. Mm-hmm. You know, but after that, it's kind of like up in the air and, and maybe we should have seen this coming because in, in digesting the news and thinking about it, it occurred to me and I remembered, and, and I know I talked about it on one of the, uh you know, one shots and Lord knows how long ago mm-hmm. where Warner brothers, because of the debt they had accumulated with being attached to direct because direct TV used to own Warner brothers, discover Warner brothers, you know, and and hbo and all that stuff that you know because there was so much debt involved with the company that they were looking at selling off the games division so warner brothers games yeah as as a way to kind of like hey we just need to get some cash to offset some of the debt we're working with here you know so why don't we you know we they were looking at selling off the warner brothers games division you know and and there were several companies that looked at at buying it but nothing ever came to and they pulled it back you know, so maybe we should have seen this coming that, you know, the debt wasn't going to magically wipe away with this uh, the acquisition and the merger between them and, and Warner Brothers Discovery. You know, the name on the check might have changed, but the bank account balance is still there. Yeah. You know, I mean, or, or lack thereof in this
0: case. Well, you, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, this, this feels like such a money move, but it's very odd because you figure with two companies merging like Warner Brothers and Discovery – they would want to hit the ground running mm-hmm. with a direction that, okay, we see what our competitors are doing. And I mean, I always say this is a very bad thing for businesses to really worry about what your neighbors are doing. You should worry about mm-hmm. your own house. Yeah. But in this situation, I think that they really had to take a, a look in the room and go, okay, for our comics division, it's booming everywhere else right now. We have one of the greatest lineups. Of character properties to work with, let's get going. Mm-hmm. Because once this news broke about Batgirl, there was a lot of questions that came up amongst the fandom. Sure. One, why? Mm-hmm. Two, why this movie right. and not the Ezra Miller attached Flash movie? Mm-hmm. Three. What is going on with other properties that were announced, like the Blue Beetle movie that is supposed to be coming?
1: I think that's dead in the water, too.
0: You'd have to think that that is, but it's not really sure. I mean, that one is something that fans have been really looking forward to. Would Warner Brothers Discovery put that on ice? And then you have to think about, lastly the live action shows on whether it's HBO max or CW.
1: Well, and the thing to know too is, you know, before you start your hashtags in your campaigns, which and it would be admirable mm-hmm. if Warner brothers discovery does go this route of writing this film as a tax write-off, they cannot release it in any way, shape or form. Theatrically streaming television, physically like on a blu-ray dvd so short of you know some worker in in warner brothers discovery getting real pissed off and deciding to leak it a la the deadpool test footage Mm -hmm. we will never see this movie or anything from it because they cannot release it yeah you know which sucks and and i think the reason we haven't you know i think because i think blue beetles in the same vein that like it's in post-production they're done filming but I think, again, because we didn't see anything at San Diego Comic-Con for two movies that are done in almost in the can, you know, they're just probably working on visual effects or maybe a pickup shot here or there, you know, reshooting something here or there. The fact that we didn't with this news in mind, the fact that we didn't hear anything is at San Diego Comic-Con is very telling. And I think the reason we haven't heard anything about Blue Beetle yet is it might be a little tougher for them, because according to reports I've read from Deadline and Hollywood Reporter and Variety, this movie this movie being uh, Batgirl was only screened once. And it came back with like a, a score of like 60 or 70, hmm. which isn't all that great when you're, when you're doing a, a test screening for a movie. It's sure. Great if you're doing grade school, you know, test scores, but in terms of movie, not all that great. You know, so they only tested it the one time. You know, so I think the reason we haven't had a decision yet or heard anything about Blue Beetle yet is it might be a little tougher that, you know, it might look a little better than them. It might be testing a little bit better if they've done any test screenings. And it's not an easy choice for them, you know, but who knows?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the question you have to ask, too. I mean, I can't perceive a movie with the cast in Batgirl, Leslie Mm -hmm. Grace, J.K. Simmons, Brendan Fraser and Michael Keaton, to say the least. Right is really doing the levels of insert bad movie here right I mean you think about all the horrible comic movies and trust me
1: there's a number of them there's a
0: lineage yeah pick and choose yeah can this movie really be that bad that's involved with that cast involved it's tough to say yes
1: but it's possible, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we do have kind of a little bit of maybe speculation or insight into why it got canceled, uh, courtesy of an article from the Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter, uh, which reads in part, quote, Batgirl was a casualty of new corporate stra- of new corporate strategy from Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zlazlav, uh, who opted to shelve the project in order to take a tax write-down on the $90 million film, multiple sources tell the Hollywood Reporter. The film had been greenlit for around $80 million from the war, former Warner, Warner Media CEO, Jason Kalar, who also teed up multiple DC projects for HBO Max that would be budgeted more modestly uh, than a theatrical DC offering. Its budget jumped to $90 million due to COVID-19 protocols. Uh, for a time, according to multiple sources, Warner's uh, considered pumping more money into the, into the Batgirl to beef it up to a 2023 theatrical release. Another source downplays the notion a theatrical upgrade was seriously in contention as from a script stage, it was conceived as a streaming play. Either way, when a very early version of the film test screened with temp VFX or visual effects and score, it landed a score in the low 60s and is believed to have only tested once. Film producers and executives have long-noted test screenings are best uh, used as a gauge for whether audiences are engaged or disengaged at certain parts of the film, not as a final judgment call on a movie. For example, horror films that end up doing well are known for testing in the 60s. Batgirl's test score, which was a director's cut, is compared to the test uh, for the first It, 2017, which wound up grossing $700.3 million globally. Uh, as well as an early test for the upcoming Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Both films tested in the 60s. Uh, So it's it's more and more confusing the more we read.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no clear-cut answer of why. Like, if you really want to go about bad screenings out of the gate, you've touched upon some hits that have made money. Right. So this all goes to, in my point of view, where you have the merger of the company... They're trying to set an image. They're trying to get an identity.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't think this is the right way to go. Well, and it looks like you know, identity and image might be playing into it because the Hollywood Reporter article goes on to say Batgirl felt more modest than, say, the Batman, which had a production budget nearly $100 million more than Batgirl, uh, with Glasgow, Scotland filling in for Gotham City. Warner's leadership under Zlaslav uh, feared it would not deliver the spectacle DC audiences are accustomed to. Well, I mean, okay. But it's also a movie going straight to streaming, Yeah, not a theater. Listen, it's all produce, but that's apples
0: and oranges. You can't make that comparison. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. When stuff is geared towards different platforms, there is a different budget. Let's Mm -hmm. be honest. Right. Very few times, and I think the only one I could say maybe ranks with a movie budget is the one... Lord of the Rings show coming to Amazon Prime.
1: Right, but they're shoveling half a billion dollars. Right, right, that.
0: but th- but that's my point. That doesn't happen all the time. No, that's, that's that's really rare. That's a lottery ticket right there. But if you're looking in comparisons to streaming to theatrical release, yeah, there's going to be a difference in a budget. So you can't say that you're going to make everything the same. I mean, it's, it's a logical idea to have, but it's improbable in method. You can't pull that off. Certain cases you can, but that's what gets you in a lot of financial trouble early. So, trying to do that and and try making that statement, I, I don't th- I don't agree with. I, I just think that that's just not going to happen, right? Because you, you think about how this has worked out with like Netflix for say, like sure, it, and Netflix has made a lot of theatrical movies for their streaming service, but has it really panned out in their favor? I mean, it's debatable, right? I mean, I, th- I think that's a very honest statement. So for a new company that's not established like netflix is i mean let's face it when you merge a company there is some growing pains this happens all the time how you know how you're valuing things is just really interesting to see out the gate and and where they're getting this idea from that this movie was that bad i mean it's possible it could be it, it right. absolutely i'm not saying it is right but just the logistics of what we know about this
1: well and, and it just sounds like and I and again I further need to say DC needs to get a Kevin Feige like person in charge. Absolutely. Figure out what the fuck they're doing because it sounds like it, it sounds like people are getting confused with some stuff. And even DC's getting confused and they don't know what to do because, again, I'm going to go back to the Hollywood Reporter article, which says, quote, The death of Batgirl also hints at a diminished role for Keaton going forward. The actor, who hadn't played the Dark Knight since 1992's Batman Returns, was being positioned as akin to Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as an elder statesman who could pop up in multiple films and offer guidance. In Batgirl, he is said to have been at the center of a splashy action sequence." He also is a uh, he is also a key part of the Flash, the upcoming movie starring embattled uh, actor Ezra Miller that is due out in June 2023. Here's the key part: According to multiple sources, Keaton also filmed a scene for the upcoming Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom that test audiences found confusing, and it was unclear why Keaton's Batman was in this universe. Lost Kingdom was previously supposed to open before The Flash, which will explain Keaton's return. But last week, uh, Aquaman star Jason Momoa revealed that Ben Affleck was filming a scene as Bruce Wayne, suggesting Keaton had been replaced with Affleck's version of the character, close quote. DC doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. It just wants to throw things together and hope it sticks. Well, I think that's been the
0: problem they've had since the jump. I mean, that's something that we've been seeing since the inception of the Snyderverse. One thing we have to remember is... When there was the boom of the MCU, there was a lot of copycats. Where DC was really playing into their strengths is they were doing self-contained stories. The Nolan franchise of Batman, right? self-contained. The Superman with Zack Snyder at the helm right. was supposed to be the start of a shared universe because Snyder had a vision for everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said... They really tried to speed through it with doing Batman versus Superman, which you merged too many stories together. It didn't hit as well as it it wanted to. Mm -hmm. And then you tried forcing Justice League in there, which we always say this debate on this show. You can gear that movie towards a comic audience, but once you go to a movie theater, it becomes a pop culture audience. There is a very big difference. That's why the movie didn't do so well because you only geared it towards a very small percentage of moviegoers that are full-blown comic fans in the comic shops every Wednesday picking up the new issues, talking it online. When you have a pop culture audience tuning in because of the movie stars, not the roles, it's a whole different ball of wax. You need to take the time to explain those characters. Zack Snyder's Justice League did not do that. Right. And I know it became Joss Whedon's, and there's reasons for it. Sure. Sure. But still, the explanation was not there. The establishment of characters was not present. This is what Marvel did building up from Iron Man 1 to Avengers 1. Right. They've done the blueprint.
1: Oh, and I was just curious about this. Uh, So, Iron Man 1 came out uh, in May 2nd of 2008. Avengers 1 came out on May 4th, 2012. So, four years. Uh, Man of Steel came out on June Fourteenth, two thousand and thirteen. Uh, Justice League came out on November Seventeenth, two thousand and seventeen. So same time span, four years apiece. Mm-hmm. The only difference between the two is you had Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, which I know it's different actor, but hey, sure. they it's it's same still thing. it's same still thing. considered in the watch order. Yeah, same thing. You know, you had Iron Man One, Thor, uh, the Incredible Hulk, what was it? Thor One, mm-hmm. Captain America One. So you had four films before you got to Avengers. With the DC films, you had two. Yeah. So you tried to do the same amount of work in half the amount of time, same amount of uh, time, half the amount of work, and it didn't work. I'm sorry.
0: No, exactly the point, and that's the problem that they have is they did not have a clear-cut plan. They just literally tried competing with Marvel. Right. Those mistakes are still lingering today, and that's Uh why we're bringing this up with the Batman Batgirl film, rather. I'm sorry.
1: Because I would argue Batman and Superman are... Probably more recognizable than some of the Marvel stuff. Oh, absolutely. You know, we're just absolutely. just Batman and Superman alone, and we can you can have that debate, and you can have that argument all day. But I would say, just in terms of the logos alone, they're more recognizable. So on paper, you say, oh, we're gonna make a, a Superman movie, and we're gonna make a Batman movie, and then we're gonna make a Justice League movie. Holy shit, you got a multi-billion-dollar franchise there. And here we are sitting in 2022, and it's dead in the water.
0: Yeah, because of mismanagement. I mean, that's the only way you can describe it. Yeah. I, in my opinion, that's how it all boils down to. I know that they're trying to make shifting waves about this, though, as Warner Brothers Discovery, because they just hired Alan Horn. Right. Who was part of the Disney uh, studios there. He, he, I and mean, I think if they give him enough time, he can go over and really mm-hmm. do something. Is he going to be the Feige guy? I don't know. But what the problem is now is you have projects that you were already rolling into from your former regime. Right. You're now shutting down one.
1: They also killed, we got to remember, they killed the uh, Wonder Twins movie that was announced, then was in pre-production, and then it got canceled.
0: Right. But, I mean, pre-production is a lot different than post. Right. That's the thing, and especially for the budget they spent on it. Right. That's the thing that doesn't add up. If you're really worried about money, you're literally going to sit there and throw $70 million out the window? Like, that just doesn't make sense. Right. You know, what you should try doing, like, if I was Warner Brothers right now, and it Let's say, for example, okay, this movie is not what we want. We don't want our name attached to it for reasons. Mm-hmm. Start shopping it around. Would you try saying that an Apple TV would not jump at the chance to get some superhero content on their programming?
1: Only thing that I can see possibly being issue with that is the rights and who holds them and this and that, like the legalese with that. That's the only thing I see being an issue.
0: Right, but if but if they could find some way to make that happen, I mean, that's what you got to examine. Because, I mean, just sitting there and doing a tax write-off of $70 million is a very alarming thing for a fan base that wants to see new content, wants to see new characters. And you look at how Marvel has pulled this off, that Ant-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy are a franchise. And yet... DC can't get this together?
1: I mean, it's... it's well, boring. that's one of the benefits Di- Disney and Marvel has is if they have a TV... They had TV projects that, you know, one season and then acts, and specifically, I'm thinking of the MODOK series. Mm-hmm. They didn't want that attached to the MCU. They didn't want it tied in in anyway because they probably have plans for the character down the road, I would assume. Yeah. You know, so what did they do? They didn't put it on Disney+. Plus. They had the second op- secondary option, Hulu. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers Discovery doesn't have this option where, hey, we don't want this tied into anything we got. They just have HBO Max and that's it. Yeah, technically they have Discovery Plus. But do you really do do you really see them putting something like that on Discovery Plus, which is all like HGTV, TLC and all that stuff?
0: Well, that's the question you have to ask now, because, I mean, there's a lot of rumors going on about the future of HBO Max. Yeah. And if the rumors are true and we want to stress rumors. Right. There's a mass consolidation going on there. That there might not be any more live action shows on mm-hmm. said streaming service, right? If that's the case, this is a very alarming thing for fans.
1: Well, and just and then just look at the way any DC products have gone. You know, the Arrow versus, and we'll get to this in, in one shot, but mm-hmm. the Arrow versus dead. Yeah, you know, with the, with the news of the Flash, you know, and then they were canceling off all of those television shows. They're canceling off the DC movies, you know, or the, the smaller ones, you know, obviously Aquaman and Shazam and all that stuff are still coming out, you know. But then I seriously consider you might get one more season of the television shows on HBO Max and that might be it for those.
0: Yeah, and that's the scary thing about it because you think about when they rolled out from the DC Universe streaming service and there was some hits there. Doom Patrol is one of the best shows on TV bar none. You can put it on any network. It will be a hit. Titans, debatable. Swamp Thing, and that's a whole different story. Yeah. Stargirl has actually turned out to be a hit for CW mm-hmm. since its transition there. But there was also the rumors for HBO Max of Strange Adventures. Right. Green Lantern. Right. And a few other properties that were getting thrown in there. The Black Canary movie. Yeah. So now. I
1: think all of those are done in the water just because. I been, think so, it, too. It's been, especially the Green Lantern one. It's been so long since they announced anything to do with that. And we've heard literally nothing, like not even rumors of casting.
0: Yeah. So now the question becomes, where do we go from here? If they're willing to scrap seventy million dollars on a Batgirl movie, what else could be chopped on the on the block? There, you have to think Blue Beetle is the one that fans are going to be most curious about and most cautious about.
1: And in and the and in the immediate future, yeah.
0: Yeah, in the immediate. Immediate, yeah. The other ones that we haven't seen in the light of day, like the HBO Max universe, we'll just call it for reasons. Sure. Those that you touched upon, I think they're done in the water, too.
1: I, I think I seriously think, and this isn't anything against the shows. You know, I haven't seen them. They're not. I I tried watching Titans. It wasn't my cup of tea, you know, but I seriously think they get one more season and then they're done. I think anything that isn't the big budget films done until they can get somebody in there and figure out what the hell they're going to do
0: yeah and that's going to be the problem that that warner brothers discovery needs to address right now
1: because right now in terms of dc properties dc is a sailboat in the middle of the ocean without any direction where to go yes it's it's just let's do an aquaman movie let's do another shazam movie let's do a let's do a black adam movie let's do a you know a batman movie that's not tied into anything okay where the fuck are we going with this like this has got to eventually lead to something
0: well, that's the problem that they need to address. But this is not a good sign to start the new regime with. That if they're looking at making cuts like this, and they're taking away properties that fans have been waiting to see, that have big money behind them, you have to wonder where is it going to stop. And the and the question now I look at is what's going to happen to the comic line.
1: This is well, I think the comic line is is fine. Nothing's going to change with the comic well, line. Um, I hope so. But I think in terms of the movies, this is going to go one of two ways. This is either going to be the biggest disaster in Hollywood history, where you had such marketable names, and by names I mean the heroes yeah. that fucking print money. I'm sorry, like for as long as the characters and the properties and the franchises have been around, there's a reason they're still around today and haven't gone by the wayside like some other comic lines. Mm-hmm. That that in theory, if you were to pitch, you know, especially in the Golden Age of comics, like, hey, we're going to do comics based on the DC characters print money like yeah. easy money easy payday but we're sitting here in 2022 with no direction no real clue as to what the fuck they're going to do this is going to go one of two ways this is either like i said either going to be the biggest disaster in hollywood history or one of the greatest comebacks in hollywood history
0: i'm hoping comeback, to be honest with you i don't want to see these characters go away i want to see them get a, a fine vision and listen let them carve their own space in this whole pop culture media world you're not going to beat marvel sorry the house of the mouse is too strong they have the blueprint done. They've mapped out the next couple of years at least. Yeah. If not more. I mean, Kevin Feige just told us a little bit. This is
1: why D23, September 10th, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, is going to be must watch TV. Right. Well, and, and Disney's also not afraid to shell out the money because reportedly the Marvel TV shows on Disney Plus are $25 million an episode.
0: Yeah. But you know what, though? They're making it back. Yeah, and that's they the are. thing because the fans are coming out from the comics uh, shops to the pop culture audience. Yeah. They've now made it the brand. If I'm going to be DC, I have to look here and say, listen, we need to get somebody in charge and just give us a vision. We don't have to do a shared universe. You don't. But you need to put characters on there that are going to be cross over to the pop culture audience to bring them in to watch. Mm -hmm. Saying that you're going to scrap a movie for a tax write-off, that is a very, very big red flag of danger. Sure. So, hopefully, this is a one-and-done scenario. I fear, though, as we go into the next couple of weeks, you're going to be hearing more cancellations of this. Probably. And then you're going to have to wonder, if you're a DC fan that wants to go to the movies and see those characters, are you going to be that more excited to go see a Shazam? Are you going to be that more excited to go see a Black Adam movie? They're going to draw in, especially Black Adam, because it's The Rock.
1: Oh, yeah. The the, the Black Adam movie is going to be an anomaly because that's going to make a billion dollars, you know, in the first week. Right. And then
0: you're going to have the Warner Brothers Discovery execs having rose colored glasses on because they're going to be seeing all the, the glory in the world. But in reality, you could put Dwayne the Rock Johnson in anything right now. Yeah. And do well. And I know the, the, the biggest name in Hollywood. Yeah. And I know Legion of Super Pets just came out. Right. That's that's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah. But we're talking live action superheroes. Yeah. Like I said, you could put him in any any character, and people are going to go see it because it's him. Mm-hmm. You had a star-studded cast here with Michael Keaton, who people have been wanting to see
1: back in the ca- Cape and Cowles in nineteen eighty nine. Dwayne Johnson made a box office hit out of the video game franchise Rampage. Yeah. When I heard when I first read the article that they were going to make a Rampage movie, I went, "Fucking why?" Like, I it's a fun game, I will admit, for its time. Mm-hmm. But how the fuck are you going to make a movie out of this? And then I saw the trailer, and I'm like. Oh, okay, that's how.
0: Well, yeah, exactly, because he's smart enough, he knows the temp in the room right now. Hell, make him the head guy. I mean, that would be a big way to get people to look at your properties that you have for DC Comics. And, you know, if somebody wants to do a shared universe, he's smart enough he'd be able to figure it out, him and his production team.
1: Sure. I mean, everything he touches right now turns to gold. Well, and enough people want to work with him that he could get the right the names in there to get it going.
0: Yeah, but until then, we're stuck with just... DC and Warner Brothers Discovery taking a big L on this one. And I fear this is going to be a big domino effect moving forward. And I hope I am wrong. And, Pat, I'm going to say, I echo your sta- your statements here. I hope this is the biggest comeback story in history. Otherwise, this is going to go down the biggest disaster in all of Hollywood. That being said, we gave you our takes about the whole Batgirl debacle. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Talk to us. What is your thoughts about Batgirl getting canceled for a tax write-off, allegedly? Talk, we, we need to have this discussion on social media, folks, so make sure you hit us up. Use that hashtag. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Have you ever found yourself
0: confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe?
2: Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that Bud-Eye stuff at the gas station? Well, then look, no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do
0: talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink.
2: We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News.
0: Coming back for a second segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and there was a trailer that got dropped. Mm-hmm. The pad has head circled on his calendar for quite some time. Yes. Because, well, if you know Pad very well, if it's Star Wars, you know he's got that at the top of his watch list. Absolutely. And obviously, this has been a show that we've been waiting to hear a little bit about since it was announced that they were going to do a prequel to
1: 2016's Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And Pad, what is this show? Uh, so this show, according to the description on IMDb.com, uh, says prequel series to Star Wars Rogue One. In an era filled with danger, deception, and intrigue, Cassian will embark on the path that is destined to turn him into a rebel hero. Uh, So this, of course, as as mentioned, is this prequel to the mega hit and arguably, well, no, arguably it is the best Star Wars movie Disney has done, uh, which came out in 2016. Yes. And that is
0: Star Wars Andor. Mm -hmm. Now, this will be debuting on Disney Plus September 21st with a three episode premiere, which is a little something different that we don't see from Disney Plus happen. Right, But there's a lot to digest in this, so we are going to break this trailer down. And if you're new to the ODPH, first and foremost, thanks for checking us out. What we like to do is give a spoiler-free statement, and then we do the deep dive. But we give you enough fair warning that if you need to duck out for whatever reason, we won't spoil anything for you because, hey, we try giving you that fair benefit of the doubt. So that being said, Pad, spoiler-free statement on the trailer for Andor. Uh,
1: Looks really good. Looks like we're going to get some stuff filled in for what happened with Rogue One uh, and, and further into the Star Wars story, and I'm excited.
0: This looks like a great compliment piece to Rogue One and giving you a little more background. So I'm excited. Uh, a couple things was surprising me that I didn't expect to see in here, but you know, this is the House of the Mouse, and they're definitely doing a lot of magic with Star Wars. So you know what? I'm all in for September twenty-first. That said, in three, two,
1: one, pad. Talk to me. Looks really good. Like I said, I think we're going to get some of the political intrigue and, and stuff filled in for how we get from Revenge of the Sith into A New Hope. It's going to further fill in that little gap because it's a it's like a twenty year gap in between those films. You know, and there's a lot goes on. Uh, I'm excited to see that. And I'm excited to just see how we get to Rogue One, because uh, as has been said by the folks uh, with Star Wars involved in the show, you know, the Diego Lunas and Tony Gilroy, who is the kind of showrunner, director, writer of the show. uh, This show is taking place five years before the events of Rogue One.
0: Yes, and Diego Luna is reprising his role as Cassian Andor. Yep. Genevieve O'Reilly is playing Mon Mothma, who is mm-hmm. a very well-known character in the Star Wars universe. Yes. Alex Furns is playing Sergeant Cuskett. And you do have a few other cast members that haven't been officially announced who they are yet. Yep. So we are going to see a lot of new faces to the Star Wars universe. Yeah. We do have one returning, though, that I know Pad was super excited to see, and that is one Forrest Whitaker. And
3: yeah. who is he
1: playing? He is playing Saw Gerrera, who first got his appearance in the animated show Star Wars The Clone Wars, which if you haven't seen, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, but made his triumphant return in uh, Rogue One. Yes. So
0: as this trailer kicks off, we do see that there is a planet that is keeping an eye on something flying overhead, mm-hmm. and you're, you're seeing this possibly the Rebel Alliance that is noticing that there is a big object flying in the sky.
1: And Pat, what is that object? It is an Imperial Star Destroyer. Uh, it's a, that triangle ship that a lot of that is most uh, famously known with Star Wars.
0: Yes. So obviously we are hitting the ground running with this trailer, mm-hmm. and then you get a quick shot after that of a young Cassian Andor staring over a a canyon of sorts.
1: I well and I think what it is is I think it's the empire showing up to mine resources because during this time you got to remember they're building a little thing called a little thing called the Death Star. it uh, needs a lot of parts, needs a lot of metals, needs a lot of materials. So what they did in the old canon, you know, the old books and old comics aren't canon anymore. Uh, was they went to various planets that had a lot of resources and they went, Hey, thanks. These are ours. Yeah. And they strip mined the planet bare. You know, they left some of them for dead. So my guess is that opening shot is them coming to Cassian's planet, whatever it's called. And again, going, Hey, look, resources. Thanks. And this next shot we see is him a little grown up. And this is in the middle of strip mining the planet because that first shot we see it's green, it's lush. Everything looks beautiful. This next shot, Real dark and gray.
0: Yeah, so we're assuming that this is the before and after shot here, and you are hearing Cassian and kind of narrate a little bit about to steal from the Empire, you have to prove that you weren't even there Mm -hmm. or something in that very... You just walk in like you belong, I should officially quote it. So you do see him. It looks like he's climbing into the Destroyer.
1: Yeah, it looks We're, like he's climbing down like a, a, a shaft, like or, or a ladder into a star destroyer or some ship of some sort.
0: Yeah, it's some kind of ship. So I'm just trying to speculate what that is. But then we get another shot, and this is one is probably the most telling.
1: Mm-hmm. Is you get a shot of where Pad? Uh, it is the, the Imperial Senate on Coruscant, and it is noticeably empty. There is a lone spotlight coming down on one of the pods. You know where somebody would say, "Hey, I have something to say," and then they'd float out there and say their piece. But literally, nobody's there. So, and I don't think this is. Oh, this is a mistake from the VFX. They forgot to include people. No, I think it's deliberately empty.
0: Thanks, Jar Jar. Thanks a lot. And then you start seeing more of the Empire kind of asserting their their power, celebrating, if you will. Mm-hmm. And you're obviously here in Andor. It's kind of saying, you're, you know, how they're jubilant about yeah. this. I
1: mean, there's even the shot of the two guys of various ranks. I don't know what they are. I can't read Empire ranks. Mm-hmm. But they, they do look like they're they're kinda of older, they get grey haired. They do look like they're doing in the midst of a toast. Like, oh, good job on our part. Yes.
0: Yeah. So they're kind of they're celebrating that and then you're hearing more about, you know, how Andor broke into Yeah, they're the so, Empire's base there.
1: They're so fat he goes, they're so fat and satisfied, they can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house.
0: Yeah. And you do get a quick shot of him sneaking in, and then you get the first shot. Of a
1: new face in Mm -hmm. this Star Wars universe. And who is that, Pad? Stellan Skarsgård? Stellan Skarsgård, yeah. We uh, we don't know what role he's playing, but Stellan Skarsgård making his appearance in Star Wars. It's rumored the name is Luthen.
0: So I'm not, don't officially quote me on that, but that is the working name that I've been able to track down. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing him have a standoff with Andor and basically trying to convince Andor to join his
1: side. Yeah, he even goes as far to say the Empire's choking us so slowly we're starting not to notice.
0: Yeah. And then you do see another character, I believe that is actress Denise Goff. Uh, could be, yeah. But we're not sure, like we said, there's a lot of new characters in this show that have not been identified for the characters yet. But you do see that she's walking with some Empire soldiers that it looks like they're shaking down a town. Yeah. And you're do seeing more starships show up and basically start, I would I say mining the planet? Is that a first statement?
1: Yeah, that's what it looks like.
0: Yes, where you do see Andor is kind of looking overhead and walking through the wreckage. Yeah. Because it does look like it's now turned into a scrapyard of some sort. So this is where he's going to get in his motivation of Uh where his character is going to go. So obviously he's been having a lot of the standoff against Mm Luthen, And this is going to be kind of the driving force of this show. Right. Which, you know, perfectly fine with. We do see another shot of Luthen getting off a spaceship of some sort. And he is getting basically approached mm-hmm. by some, uh, dare I say, rebel forces.
1: Yeah, some uh, definitely some, not a rebel alliance forces, but some forces that don't exactly like the Empire.
0: Yes. And you do see Sagarera say, basically, for the greater good, mm-hmm. we're getting down to business.
1: Yeah, Luthen says, call, call it what you will. So Sagarera says, let's call it war and, yeah. and and i think this is going to tie into what we saw with rogue one where they said initially initially on they were all right with saw they really like saw and i think this is going to show us that and then obviously by the end of the season probably uh they're not really going to like him
0: no they're definitely not going to like him at all so then we do get another quick shot of some spaceships flying in mm-hmm. some other characters that we assume are part of the empire and you do see them getting off so it looks like the Empire is making their move on this planet of some sort. Right. Like I said, a lot of moving parts going on with this.
1: Well, And it appears that they are at least aware, they're not totally hapless of what's going on, because one person does say, you know, basically that, like, oh, there's something going on out there. that like, oh, it's little pockets. So it does appear that they're at least somewhat aware that, like, not everyone's down with what the Empire is doing. Mm-hmm.
0: So I think that's going to be a lying theme for this show as well as we're seeing more spaceships aligning into uh, what can pre- be presumed as a, a docking port of some sort. Yeah. And obviously we're seeing more characters go around. A Deidre, I mm-hmm. believe it is, uh, is talking and more or less kind of laying out the, the blueprint of what's going on here. Yeah. Because obviously we're getting a lot of flashes going on here with uh, Andor's character and the Empire too. So yep. there's a lot, a lot of, of con- bouncing. Yeah, a lot of bouncing going around. So to say, a little bit of confusion of what is going on with that. So a lot of stuff is is getting kept very close to the chest here. Yeah. So yeah. I, and I do like that with the trailer. Like I said, just because <laughs> to be a little confusing about who's doing what here, because you do see the Empire is basically calling their shots, and the mm-hmm. rebels are trying to fight back.
1: Well, and they got and they got to play close to the chest because it's one of those stories that like unlike. You know, the up, the upcoming Ahsoka series where we don't know where that character's going. Mm-hmm. We know where this character's going. We know what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the thing they gotta be careful with is they don't wanna tip their hand too much.
0: Yeah, so like I say, it's a lot of jumping around, so we're just trying to still speculate about who's doing what here. But you are seeing... <laughs> There is more characters getting shown here, Pat. Yeah. And what what is the vibe you're getting from this scene?
1: Uh, I'm getting the vibe that it's it's uh, Stalin Skarsgård trying to wheel and deal and, and do some stuff. Because I really think we're going to start to see, you know, because when we saw the Rebel Alliance in Rogue One, they were already a thing. They were already kind of established. They were on Yavin 4, you know. And there was supposed to be at least kind of the fruits of it in Revenge of the Sith. If you read the novelization, those bits are there. Uh, they were cut from the movie, uh, in, in revenge of the Sith, but you can find them on the deleted scenes. What I think we're going to get is we're going to get some of those plot points inserted back into this story. Because as I said, this, this season does take place five years before the events of rogue one, you know, which in case you didn't know backs its ass right up to the freaking beginning of a new hope. Mm hmm. You know, So I think, like I said, we're going to get some of those because nothing with Star Wars is ever thrown out. It's just simply reinserted someplace else in the timeline. I think we're going to get some of those plot points that were cut from Revenge of the Sith in the formation of the uh, Rebel Alliance and how it came to be in this show. And one thing, too, to point out,
0: It looks as there's a flashback sequence with Luthan as well, too, because Mm. he has more hair. It's more wavy. Yep. It's not the shortcut he has. So maybe there's a lot more history between him and Andor's character than we know about. Mm, Maybe. So that's something to keep an eye on as we move forward, too. So this is a situation where Luthen is definitely working some magic here. And, And like I say, they do show that flash shot of him with short hair flying in a Star Cruiser, too. Yeah. So... A lot of things to keep an eye on for here. So there is going to be some time jumping, which Mm -hmm. I think is good, I think is bad, but it can definitely bring up a lot of confusion, especially if you're not too familiar with the Mm -hmm. Star Wars universe. But then we get a very big introduction And the one seat that's in the cabinet, if you will. Mm -hmm.
1: And, Pad, who is that? That is Mon Mothma, played by uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, who did play the character in Rogue One. Uh, She is an Imperial senator, uh, featured in a couple episodes of Clone Wars, was supposed to be in Revenge of the Sith, but it got cut because reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she does say in the trailer, as long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. And in case you didn't know, she is one of the founding members of the Rebel Alliance. So she's trying to, you know, kind of like uh, with uh, uh, what was it? Um, Bail Organa in in Revenge of the Sith where he's like, oh, I can still be an irritation from inside. I can still cause some having cause some mayhem for my sake. She's doing the same thing.
0: Yeah. So she's a character to definitely watch. And we do see a little more characters jumping around. So there is a lot more action sequence going on. And like I say, this goes back and forth with Andor's character because a lot of the shots that you're seeing with him and the people around him, you can de- definitely tell by his beard mm-hmm. or lack thereof, like they're time jumping yeah. quite often with him. Yeah. And basically how Andor's saying he's tired of losing and you're doing, seeing like a free fall off the side of a dam. Yeah. You're also seeing him break in and it looks like they're he's trying to free somebody from the Imperial mm-hmm. the imperial Guard. Also, somebody is getting some surgery done.
1: Yeah, I got to admit, thought that was Maz Kanata for a second because if you pause it and, and you look at it, it kind of looks, looks like him. It kind of looks like Maz Kanata for a second. It had to do a double-take weight. That's not Maz. No,
0: but that's going to be somebody who's getting drilled with something. You're seeing more of the Rebel soldiers are fighting back and just really getting a lot of that Star Wars vibe, too. Andor is flying a ship of some sort.
1: Some of the visuals in this trailer are fucking insane.
0: Oh, yeah. No, they definitely spent a lot of money to make sure this looked right. And it has that big fight feel to Uh it, which is what you need if you're going to be doing this story justice. Like, they're not half-assing anything, and it just kind of ends with the trailer doing that with the crawl going on there. Yeah. Three episodes on September 21st, so. And,
1: it's, and if it seems like a lot of episodes, well, it is, but it's also a 12-episode season. Yes. So it's it's not like, you know, a Disney Plus Marvel thing with six episodes. Like, oh, hey, here's half the season in one day. No, it's, it's a third.
0: No, so they're definitely bringing it all out here, and I mean— Pad, final thoughts on the trailer. I mean,
1: what else can you say? I Love the trailer. I'm super excited for this because Rogue One is one of the best Star Wars stories. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact that it's being you know produced and and written and directed by uh, Tony Gilroy, who was one of the writers for Rogue One, you know, just further it makes me super excited for it. That and and just to fill in some of those gaps because there's a twenty year time period between revenge of the sith and a new hope and a lot of stuff goes on in 20 years yeah you know look at your own life you know so to fill in more of those gaps and get some of those more explanations of how we went from the galactic republic that turned into the the empire and and how they went from like everything's bright and shiny we just won a war to everything fucking sucks like i'm i'm real interested to see that slide
0: yeah, I am too. Like This had a lot for me, and like I've, I've well stated here, I'm not as big of a Star Wars aficionado as Pat is. There's enough for me to be very intrigued by where they're going with the show. And there's a lot of new faces, a lot of new characters. This is going to have something for fans that know just Rogue One and want to get more of the backstory, I think, they'll benefit a lot from this show. And I think that if you've been a diehard since day one, you're going to really love this show because it looks like they spent the time to really develop the character of Andor and give him a, a solid backstory. So I'm definitely excited about this trailer. I think it looks like a, a complete home run. A lot of questions I think are going to get answered and tying more into A New Hope. And listen, the more we get a full fleshed out backstory of that yeah. is all the better. So remember that it's going to be going on September 21st on Disney plus three episode premiere. But in the meantime, hit us up on the hashtag hashtag pod. What is your thoughts about the Andor trailer? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Let's talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be
2: right back. Do not adjust your dial. Or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. And I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating, enlightening, and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod. Check out what all is going on at 30 podcastcom Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and I have to recap Season 1. Of a brand new show on Amazon Studios Prime Video Mm -hmm. that is a very well-known comic if you're into the nose of indie comics. And one of the biggest surprises, I think, of how much of an enjoyable show this was. Yeah. Because the show is called Paper Girls. Now, it is based off the 2015 Image comic done by Brian K. Vaughn. You might know him best from Why the Last Man. Runaways from Marvel and a little show or a little book called Saga, which is rave reviews amongst the independent uh, comic community, too. Uh, Cliff Chang is the uh, artist on the book and former Eisner winner, so it has now come to Amazon Studios, which has gotten pretty big uh, reputation now for working independent comics onto their uh, schedules. I would say so, yeah. The Boys and Am- Invincible, just to name yep, a few. Yep. So the sh- series debuted this past week. All eight episodes are now up on Amazon Studios Prime Video. And I will give you my spoiler-free re- uh, statement about it, and then I'm going to start deep-diving into why I think you should check this show out. So my spoiler-free statement is, this is a very, very good show. I know from the initial outset... That when you watch the trailer pad, you saw the trailer. What was your first instincts?
1: Uh, honestly, it felt like uh, kind of like a spinoff of Game of Thrones. Or not Game of Thrones. <laughs> That'd be wild. Uh, no, it felt like a spinoff or kind of like a, a companion series to Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, I- because reading from the description on IMDb.com says, quote, A few hours after 1988 Halloween night, four 12-year-old girls have to face a mission. Trapped in a complicated conflict, they will travel in time to save the world. Close quote.
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of gives that vibe to the pop culture audience, mm-hmm. but if you read the comics, it's a different story. And when you watch this show, too, it it has that similarity just for like a quick hiccup. Sure. Because once they get into the story itself, the acting is very spot on, especially for the the four leads that are so young and age, too. The a lot of the stuff that they handle is just exceptional work. Right for their characters, uh, two especially. And then the rest of the cast really bounces it out with the overall story that's going on because where Stranger Things dives into more of the supernatural aspect with the upside down and, and the characters come here. This has a lot to do with time travel. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing with a show of time travel that we've documented many times on here. and Time travel can be messy. It can be confusing. It can be confusing. Uh-huh. I, I will say this. The show did a really good job not to confuse too much. Okay. So when it does its jumps, it makes sense, and you understand what's going on for the most part. And it's been highly enjoyable. Like I said, the acting was spot on. Very excited to see where they're going from here. And I think if you haven't checked the show out, you definitely need to. So that said, in three, two, one. Damn, this was a good show, Pad. Oh, yeah? This was a very, very good show. Because like you touched upon, it stars four paper girls in the 1980s, 1988 to be specific. And they get caught up in a very wild scenario where they literally get transported through time. Mm. And all four girls have a very unique personality to themselves. So it's not like everybody's kind of the same or you forget about. Sure. Cameron Jones plays Tiffany. Riley Ly- Nilet Ny- mm-hmm. plays Aaron. Sophie Rosinski plays Mac. And Fina Straza plays KJ. All of which have their very own personalities to them. Like, And when you see their characters jump in the future, you really get a sense of just how different life is. Because it's not a situation where they took off and they were never back in the 1988s. So it's not like they're filling in a gap. Right. The future has moved on. They do meet their future selves, mm. which is kind of a wild scenario as well. Which is often something in time travel they advise you don't do. Right. But when they start doing this, it's a really interesting dynamic because this is where you'll see in the trailer too. Ali Wong's character is actually the future Aaron. So when they kind of run into each other, it's kind of this weird like, what are you doing here? What is this? This mm-hmm. is my home. Like, And you start getting the back and forth. And you start finding out how each girl's future turned out. So it's a very interesting play that is going on here. All the while, they do have a rogues gallery that's kind of after them because there's two siding forces that are kind of pulling everybody here. There's one group that is really trying to right the wrongs of time travel. And that kind of ties into Nate Cordy's character, Larry, who's fighting for the resistance, if you will. And then you have Adina Porter's Porus who is working with Jason Mm Mazlucas, and I apologize if I messed the name up, grandfather, who basically say things happen for a reason. You can't really change them. You don't want to go here. So they're basically hunting down the girls because they're trying to figure out how did they jump in the time and and kick on the future. But where this show really just goes into a very cool direction and really kind of finds its voices once they get to about like episode four or five sure this really kind of gets to see where everybody really grows here because two characters really start having breakout moments and the one character which i i thought really kind of stood out from everybody else is Sophia Rosinski's mac okay because she's more of like the the tough growing up not mm-hmm. not as as well off as everybody else sure and you see when her character, and like I said, we are talking spoilers at this point, gets to the future when they jump into the nineties, she finds out that she actually dies. Mm. That she winds up getting brain cancer. So that is such an emotional hit for her because she winds up going to see her brother who's her death inspired him to get his life together and that was a very right. successful and she is just sitting there going, like, oh my god, like, you know, and and you gotta imagine. Being a 12-year-old kid, hearing yeah. that you die four years later? Yeah. How does that mess with
1: you? I mean, it's one of the classic tropes you see with television and, like, time travel stuff. Like, what would you do if you knew when the end was coming?
0: Yeah. And then she basically reconnects with her brother, who they never had a great relationship. But she convinces him, like, hey, I, you know, I'm your sister. And you yeah. see, like, the bonding and all, like, the emotions that you have when you're when you you're growing up and, and things are not good where you are to now that... You're seeing how you're in a successful family, yeah. and you have a home, and like the the brother didn't want her to go, and, and you see just like the change of dynamic until ultimately she has to, and there's a moment that you'll see like, and I thought Sophia just absolutely knocked the scene out of the park. Mm-hmm. You see her just start crying as she's riding off because they have to mm-hmm. escape because Porus is chasing after them. Right, she has to leave because Porus is hunting everybody down that comes into contact with them. Right, because she's working for the old watch that is is trying to bring them back and basically say like you can't go back and fix things so now it's max this you know whole future is just ripped away from her so meanwhile you when you had Aaron who made the connection with her future self and seeing how that plays out and that's a wild scenario too because when we talk time travel things get weird yep this, this gets weird in a hurry for her character ultimately but it plays out very well. Okay. So like I say her and uh, like what I really like to do is for eight episodes everybody gets their moments. So it's not like anybody really gets overshadowed. But this with the source material that they work with, it's a little crazy about how they pull this off, but I thought like for they kicked off with Aaron, then they went to Mac, then they went to KJ's who she winds up finding out that she comes out later in life. So that's, and it's just, a, it's, 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 and they do this very tastefully and they do it very brilliantly. Where it's just, you're seeing how she changed, you know, how she just comes out later and, and is like trying to deal with this at such a young age mm-hmm. and seeing that portrayal. I thought that uh, Fina played that role absolutely perfectly. And I just, and it was just. To see it come to screen and they, and just how they handle it, I thought was very, very well done. Mm-hmm. And that's like another center, underlying theme going on as well too when she meets her future self and, and goes and, and sees in that situation. And then for Tiffany's character, she finds out, and, she, and she's the one that really is – kind of like almost like the leader of the group so to speak Mm -hmm. she finds out that her future self is a dj and who actually failed out of mit or was kicked out rather right so she's like and she understands everything that's going on for the most part so it's it's just this really cool dynamic that they're seeing as they're trying to find their way back and they're doing the time jumps to 2019 and then the 90s and and you see them just kind of bouncing around everything really makes sense so you're never lost about what's going on because and I'll even quote the, art, the early review we did, because we did have screener access to this from Amazon Studios, so shout out to them, that where they, it's really more about the four young actresses finding out about their, their journeys more than the time travel. And you see these characters like really kind of thrown in your face like, this is your future, and can you, you know, can you really change time? And just how they're getting torn into this battle going on with the old watch and the resistance, I mean, it's a, it's a really cool dynamic that they wind up doing. And it's just so interesting how they you see the jumping around with all the sci-fi aspects going on here too, uh-huh. because it's never like anybody's over overstepping everybody else. Like there is breakout characters, like I said, Mac and KJ's characters really have a lot of source material to work with that just kind of pop that that just jumps off the screens. It's not to say that Tiffany and Aaron stories aren't up there as well. But you really kind of see how it just their stories kind of tie more into the overall story, right than, the, than their individual characters, which I'm saying not a bad thing, but it's just kind of how it's done. But they really capture everything about the time periods they're in, and you never feel lost. Like that's the one thing I thought they did really, really well. Never at the point when I was watching the show did I think, "Oh, where are we? What's going on? Why are we doing this?" Everything is really done right up to the music, to the vibe, to the 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 scenery around. Everything really gels together to to such a, a a really stellar degree that I was just completely like hooked, line and sinker on the board with the show. And the only thing I would say maybe is a slight drawback, but it's nothing against the character, the actor himself, or just how he came across. But when grandfather shows up. Mm-hmm the one that's the head of the old watch. He's kind of a quirky character in how he's written because most of the time you see him just walking around in like uh, a band t-shirt of somebody. Sure. And he's just kind of like, try. he is the bad guy. He does a lot of things overall that, you know, obviously you understand the temp in the room with him. Yeah. But it just comes when he finally makes his appearance. It's so like random. Right. That I just, it takes a while for it to gel by the last episode of the season one here. It really kicks in about what he's all about. But when you start seeing him in the beginning and you see him obviously with Porus, it's kind of like an awkward reaction because you know he's a big bad, but you don't know why. And then how you see the evolution of Porus' character too. I thought Dina Porter played her exceptionally well too. As you see that she's the bounty hunter trying to make sure to clear up any remnants of the four girls' time traveling. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting dynamic when they play this off. So when they get to the finale, and like I say, they do a lot of time jumping until when they get to the very end where it seems like the girls are finally going to get home and they get displaced. So that's how we're kind of ending with season one. It all goes back to the strength of the characters, and I think that that's where it stands away from Stranger Things because I know a lot of people made that comparison too, that this is just another Stranger Things. It's really not right? because where they dance with it, this has such a sci-fi feel to it, and th- and there is elements of that as well. Like with time travel, there there is um, some very cool robot moments, and I will leave it at that. Sure, but because I think that they come up very splendidly. This stands on its own because of, of how well the four lead actresses handle this, and like I say, for being so young and handling the complex character storylines that they have, like mm-hmm. Mac and KJ, I think just steal this scene. Right, You're, you know when they're on. And to see how their characters grow. And like I say, it's nothing against Tiffany or Aaron's characters. But like I say, theirs are more condensed to the storyline overall. About when they go to the future, okay, we meet adult Aaron. We meet adult Tiffany. And they're basically trying to figure out how to get back home and how to figure this whole mess out. That's where their characters really grow. And when you th- when you put it all together for the story, it's a really wonderful thing. I think the writing is spot on with this. The acting is top notch. And never at a point, dude, I think, like, did I ever start thinking Stranger Things with this? It's just the early offset of the characters with this. But I think once it gets going, everything just shifts towards character drive. And, I mean, I don't know about you, Pat. That's always something I like with shows. Sure. Because when you start messing with time travel too much. It gets weird. It does. And how many times have, and we've talked about this many times, Doctor Who, Legends of Tomorrow. How many times when they do jumps like that are you lost in?
1: Uh, Every once in a while, you know, not usually, but sometimes.
0: Yeah, I would say sometimes, but not so overwhelmingly, you know, that I'm I'm completely taken out. There's been other shows I've been like, what the hell are we doing here? Right. This show really nails the vibe. It really nails the points. It does everything it needs to. And I cannot recommend this highly enough. I think that if you're looking for something different to check out, it definitely will be something that if you really sit through and you can get to like episode four, kind of like how I say with Game of Thrones. Mm hmm. Once you get there and you start seeing the characters break away, because at first, you see everybody has a different personality. You see Aaron's more of a shy character because she's new. Yeah. you see KJ's more kind of well established because it, it appears that you know she's very well off. You see Cameron is kind of the, the one that understands how everything's working in the, in the group. and you see Mac is just so sort of standoff because of where her character is, right. But once these characters really start getting into a position where you really can deep dive into where they're, each one's going in a direction, this show really takes off and I can't wait to see what they do for season two. I really can't. So I'm giving you a very high recommendation. I don't like giving grades out, but I'm saying this, if you're looking for something to stream paper girls is one that you definitely don't want to sleep on. I think that they have a lot of very, very scene stealing acting going on here that I think if you're looking for something to check out, only eight episodes, it's an easy binge watch. You can definitely do it, and then go check out the comics and see how it matches up, because like I say, an Eisner winner is nothing to sneeze at, and Brian K. Vaughn's work speaks for itself. So if you want to go check it out, Prime Video, Season 1 is up right now. We can definitely talk about it now, since all eight episodes are out, so hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Paper Girls. have you seen it? And if not, why not? Let's talk about it when you do, because we got a lot to discuss. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This
3: is Matt from Sidemen Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go out I know?
0: Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got?
1: Got a couple things to talk about, uh, one of which is an early recommendation. Haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to when it comes out. Uh, This is dropping this Friday on Hulu, uh, and this is the film Prey, uh, which is the prequel to the Predator franchise, uh, which the description of this reads, Set in the Comanche Nation 300 years ago, Prey is the story of a young woman, Naru, a fierce and highly skilled warrior. She has been raised in the shadow of some of the most legendary hunters who roam the Great Plains. So when danger threatens her camp, she sets out to protect her people. The prey she stalks and ultimately confronts turns out to be the highly evolved alien predator with a technically advanced arsenal. Uh, resulting in a vicious and terrifying showdown between the two adversaries. Uh, It is directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who you might know as he has worked on uh, one episode of The Boys in 2019, uh, one episode of Black Mirror in 2016. He also directed the film 10 Cloverfield Lane, which was fantastic. Uh, Like I said, drops this Friday on Hulu, uh, and currently on Rotten Tomatoes with 70 reviews in. It has got a tomato meter of 96%. Wow, Getting rave reviews, so definitely going to be checking this out when i get the opportunity to and i think you should too uh switching over to some more movie news it was announced that uh, amazon prime video is working on a roadhouse remake film Uh, interesting and they're having jake gyllenhaal lead the titular role uh for roadhouse but joining him will be the one the only the two-time ufc champ conor mcgregor Really? Yeah. So this according, <laughs> yeah. So this according to Deadline, which, oh, I reads, I feel about that. which reads, "quote Exclusive in what would mark his first acting job in a major studio movie, two time UFC champion Conor McGregor is set to join Jake Gyllenhaal in Prime Video's new reimagining of the classic '80s action pick Roadhouse." He joins a cast that already includes Billy Magnuson, Daniela Mel- uh, Melchior, uh, Jim. I'm going to just spell this name because I don't want to butcher it. G-B-E-M-I-S-O-L-A and then last name is I-K-U-M-E-L-O Lucas Dominique Columbus Bo Knapp and Bob Menery. Doug uh, Lyman is directing from a script written by Anthony uh, Bagarazzi and Charles Mondry. Joe Silver is producing for his company, Silver Pictures. J.J. Hook, Allison Winter, and Aaron Auk will serve as executive producers. So we're going to get Conor McGregor acting. Oh, boy. I don't
0: know how I feel about that, to be honest. I (laughs) I am so mixed because Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be the one beating him up. Yep. And... Yeah, like that, like, I I remember the old Roadhouse, like, yeah. the fact that we were doing remakes, I, yeah. Yeah. It's Like, sometimes you just got to leave it alone, but th- this one, I don't know, could be good-bad. hmm uh, Off the offset, this could be really good-bad. Yeah.
1: Uh, also, movie news, it was announced amidst all of the DC gloom and doom. Uh, then according to deadline joker foil adieu will premiere on october 4th 2024 director todd phillips uh, co-wrote the script for the joker sequel uh, with star joaquin phoenix set to reprise his role as arthur fleck the man who became the joker also rumored to be joining the cast is going to be lady gaga uh, allegedly uh, playing the role of harley quinn uh, this, that all whole lady gaga thing is rumors and nothing is confirmed
0: yeah, this whole sequel thing, man. I I don't know. Like I've heard it's a musical. I've heard it's going to be If It's y, a and Z. musical. That's
1: going to be fucking wild.
0: Yeah, like I the the fact that we're going back to this universe, like whatever you want to define it as, is, is just weird. Mm-hmm. Like. I genuinely just didn't think we needed a sequel yeah. unless you are going to try bring in Joaquin Phoenix's Joker into a Batman
1: film. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of hard to since there are no plans for that, at least as we know with Batfleck or Keaton or whatever else. Right. You know, in Pattinson, there's already a Joker established in that movie.
0: Yeah, so, like, the fact we're going back here, it's it's odd to me. Right. It's just really, really odd. Yeah.
1: Switching over to some TV news, it was announced earlier this week uh, that The Flash will end its up with its upcoming Season uh, 9 on The CW. Uh, reading from an article at Variety.com, it says, Production on Season 9 of the beloved DC series is set to begin in September, with the final season slated to debut in 2023. The season will consist of 13 episodes. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh... Article goes on to say nine seasons, nine years of saving Central City while taking audiences on an emotional journey full of hearts, humor, heart, humor and spectacle, said series executive producer and showrunner Eric Wallace. And now Barry Allen has reached the starting gate for his last race. So many amazing people have given their talents, time and love to bring this wonderful show to life each week. So as we get ready to honor the show's incredible legacy with our exciting final chapter, I want to say thank you to our phenomenal cast writers producers and crew over the years who helped make the flash such an unforgettable experience for experience for audiences around the world uh so hey uh, flash as we i think both you and i predicted gonna get one more season and then bow out because hey the rest of the arrowverse is dead
0: yeah i mean about damn time i mean let's be honest the show is not what it used to be Mm -hmm. And and this is a very polite way to put it uh, when you try messing around with the formula a little too much and obviously to get this long of a TV show with superheroes, it is tough. Yeah. I think that it's time though. Like when you watch the show now, mm-hmm. it's just, it's kind of running on films. Yeah. You can, you can definitely get that vibe from it. And yeah. and I, and what I'd like to see them do is go out the same way arrow did go for broke, go for broke, get Leonard snart back in, bring back
1: characters, even though they're dead.
0: Yeah. You got to do something big for this. That makes sense. Like you don't have to do anything for a spinoff at cliffhanger. Yeah. Just end it on a high note and
1: give the show, which, listen, once it debuted on the CW, that made some noise. CW are going to be needing some shows, though, because this is just a number in a long list of shows that they have axed, uh, including Naomi, Batwoman, Legends of Tomorrow, 4400, Charmed, Dynasty, Roswell, New Mexico, In the Dark, Legacies was canceled in May. uh, You know, so that brought the Vampire Diaries universe to a close. CW going to need some shows. We'll say, however, though. Flash came close. Smallville, though. Still the longest running DC show on that network.
0: Pad waves that flag harder than anybody. Goddamn right I
1: do. But you know
0: what you're Ten right, years. But but you're right though. Like the thing about it is the CW is going to go through a transition. We all knew this was coming, obviously, yep. the new owners. Yep. So now this is going to be a real interesting timepiece to kind of complement what we talked about first segment. Mm-hmm. What's well, going to be the future of live-action superheroes on the, on their programming?
1: Well, I think Superman and Lois is going to be here to stay. I think that. I think they're safe. That that one might give Smallville a run for its money. That one I can see going ten seasons, maybe eleven. That that one might give Smallville a run for its money. Yeah, it's I can of- I can see
0: it it's real crazy how they they're going to be able to swing this but i think they can definitely do it so absolutely interesting to see but you know flash uh let, let's start the race already let's get this over with
1: and then lastly and certainly not leastly uh there was an announcement with the upcoming pokemon scarlet and violet video games and this is unprecedented for pokemon at least the main the main line games you know the the colored games i guess you could say because red blue yellow gold silver that kind of thing Uh, So reading from an article on ign.com, it says, quote, we already knew that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet would be fully open world and could be explored in any order. But now we know the game will include three main story campaigns, including the usual gym battling mode. Jim uh, battling route revealed in today's Pokemon presents broadcast. We learned that journeys in the P- uh, Paldea region will begin with your character joining a school, the Naranja Academy in Pokemon Scarlet or the Uva Academy in Pokemon Violet. From there, you'll be given a special independent study project known only as the treasure hunt. The treasure hunt will see you exploring uh, Paldea, where three grand stories are on, are on offer and can be approached in any order. As you expect from the series, one of those stories revolves around becoming the region's best trainer by beating the leader of eight Pokemon gyms. However, in the new games, there's no set path th- uh, through those eight gyms, meaning you can take them on in any order. In the latest gameplay, we saw the Glasadio gym, an ice-type location set in what looks like a ski resort. The other two campaigns are more of a mystery, although there are some distinct possibilities for those hinted uh, at the new footage, one could revolve around the game's legendaries uh, who appear to partner with the player early on and are rideable Pokemon, able to act like bikes, gliders, boats, and can even climb mountains. Another could revolve around the game's new battle mechanic, Terra Stylizing. Uh, this option allows any Paldea Pokemon in the game to turn into a new gem-like form, which makes them stronger and can even change their elemental type uh, connected to a new stat, Terra Type. The game will also introduce terror raid battles which can reward you with pokemon that have rare terra types uh, in the trailer we saw a water type uh, for example uh, no specific story reason was given for the way uh, why terra stylizing is part of the game but the official website says that the new professor sada and professor turo are researching the phenomenon so it seems like us likely to form part of a story campaign So this is unprecedented for Pokemon because for the mainline games it's always been the hey, you're a kid, you're getting your first Pokemon, you got to choose from water, grass, or fire type, and then you go about your way going through the world one gym to the next. You can't get to the next one without getting something from the first, the last one, and ultimately becoming the best trainer and beating the Elite Four. So the fact that we're getting three stories with this game, you can go about it however which way you want, is unprecedented groundbreaking and honestly kind of exciting yeah i mean definitely sounds
0: like a cool twist to everything
1: here yeah which when you're this far into pokemon which it's been going you know for 25 years at this point you gotta put something interesting a little twist on it otherwise it gets stale well
0: that's the whole thing about to have a franchise go as long as it has you have to switch things Mm -hmm. up if you don't switch things up you're honest to god wasting time sure because The fans move quickly this day and age. They do. You need to have something fresh. You need to have something new. You need to do something different that Mm -hmm. few people have done before. So, I mean, I think this is a cool concept to try doing. Obviously, for that fan base, they're excited for it. So, let's rock and roll. Absolutely. For mine, well, Pad, it's new comic book day to some people. But for us, what day is it? Dead lucky day. Hell yes. In your comic shops, if you are lucky, because I know for a fact, and our local comic shop shot a song around, this book sold out super early today. Wow! And this book that we're going to talk about is one that we are lucky enough to have Melissa Flores, the writer of, come on the ODPH and talk about it. I Finally, the embargoes are all lifted. I can really talk about this book. And that is The Dead Lucky from Image Comics and Black Market Narrative, home of Radiant Black, Rogue Sun, and Infernal Girl Red. So the latest entry into the Massiverse kicks in the door. And what an issue. It is fantastic. Melissa Flores, French Carl Carlo Manuel. Mattia Iconi and Becca Carey absolutely crushed this issue top to bottom. And the story of BB, who is going to become your new favorite character, is really, really cool. There's nothing like this book on the market right now. Top to bottom, like I can't stress this enough. I think this is one of the best books I've read in quite some time. And I'm not saying this because I was given a press copy. I'm not saying this for anything else. I've been screaming this on social media because I really think this book is that dope. And I cannot wait to see where it's going It has a hell of a cliffhanger page at the end that you have to see to believe because when I saw it, I was like, oh, 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 okay. And it really had my attention. The art's on point. The story is very cool. And BB is going to be a character that everybody's going to be definitely excited to go check out in the future. And with Supermassive 2 coming out next April pad, I have a feeling the dead lucky is going to be meeting everybody very, very soon. Probably. Super excited about that. So, that's from Image Comics. Go out and buy as many issues as you can. Trust me, it's well, well worth it. Got a triple shot from Boom Studios this week. Shout out to Boom. Baslix number 10. Colin Bunn, Jonas Sharf is putting together the end game of all end games with the story of the Chimera versus Hannah. And things get really, really crazy with this one. If you've been following this book, it is very violent. It is does not pull any punches. It is a very, very intense read, but it is a fantastic one. Is that If you listen to the ODPH and you read uh, Parlay Points on uh, every new comic book Wednesday, you know I'm a big Colin Bunn fan. Absolutely crushing it right now. And going into the final arc, things definitely get flipped upside down. New alliances are forming, and things are just absolutely crazy with this. Mm. So definitely want to check that out. Once in future number 28 is also dropping Karen Gillan and Dan Mora, probably the best comic artist in the game right now, uh, have announced that actually issue 30 will be the last one for once in future. Kind of sad to see it, but obviously I've I've been reading this for so long now, it's it's time. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to end on a high note. Absolutely wild issue if you've been reading it. And the our trio of uh, <laughs> saving the world is going to go through a lot that we weren't expecting. Uh, a couple revelations going on with uh, the King Arthur's courts and such. Uh, obviously building up for the big battle that's been going on. So this has been one of the best imaginative comics going out. Pat, I'm just going to show you the cover. Nice. Because how badass is that? That's that looks Dan, very cool. That's Dan Mora. Like I say, and he's on World's Finest in case anybody has not been picking that book up from DZ Comics. Man, he is absolutely crushing it right now. So the story is set up. They're building up towards the final run, much like Bastix is too. And you definitely don't want to miss the conclusion of Once in the Future when that drops at issue 30. But for right now, issue 28 definitely gets that ball rolling. Heck of a final page as well, too, not to be outdone. And lastly on my list, obviously we're talking about the Charge to 100 quite often here. At Power Rangers Universe by Boom Studios is one of the best on the block. And obviously after the San Diego Comic-Con, we know Melissa Flores is going to be taking over the book at issue 101. But until time, then it's still split between Matt Grom and Ryan Parrott on the book. So this one as Mighty Morphin, number 22 from Matt Grom and Moises Hidalgo. And this one ties up a nice fun story involving Kimberly the Pink Ranger and definitely kind of sets the pace of where the book is probably going towards the charge to 100. doesn't give a lot of weight. I know our guy Tom Craven from Off The Cuff Gaming and that hashtag show has a review up right now. I think he hits it right on spot with a lot more in-depth Ranger know-how. And for me, like I say, I've just started getting into this universe. I'm going back and checking out past issues definitely is a cool story going on definitely gives a lot of perspective about where the future of a lot of our rangers are going especially into that issue 100 and i tell you what if you're not on board yet you need to get on board asap it's a great issue to pick up so definitely make sure to do that and get over to your local comic shops and go support them they're putting in a lot of good work if you need some recommendations you can always hit me up i'll point you to even some more comic podcasts like our guy brian wayne from cheers to comics and definitely steer you in the right direction to what to pick up for new comic book day. So always go support your LCS every day and all day when you can. And go support the comic industry because, hey, people are putting in a lot of good work as well. Pad, that said, the music usually you heard at the beginning of the show, that's Shout of the Robots. Mm-hmm. But we're closing again with our guys over at Second Suitor, which gave us their new single, Sometimes Off the Brand New Album, coming out on August 12th, same day as Souter Slam 2, where Tyler Reed... Friend of the show is tagging with his cousin, another friend of the show, Sean Carr, uh-huh. taking on Axel Lennox and Garrett Holiday, plus a concert, plus comedy. I hear there's a lot going on for eight dollars at the X. So if you want to get on board, Pad, where do you get ticket information?
1: ODPHPodcast.com.
0: Right on. Swing on over music section. Check out everything going on with the Second Suitor. Doing great work. Shout out the Robots Patreon is back up and running. And oh, I almost said what they gave away for, for, oh, for uh, members. Uh oh. I know. Well, Julian would probably be cool if I said it, but I'm not going to say it. But that's why I say if you sign up for it, you can access it and you can find out why I went. Hell yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate this. Also, go check out Tom Sholu. He's a friend of the show. He's a fantastic Yard Party, Floodlands. Brian Wolf, who is actually in the 607, I hear. Oh. And I hear he's playing some shows this week. So yes, when, when you get this podcast, you definitely want to go track him down and go see what he's doing. Because we're going to try making it over to go see him at least once. But Brian's got, definitely got that new EP out, so he's definitely going to be wanting to play some tracks for you. So definitely go support everybody that's on the music section of the show. Go support them. we got all their links for all their socials. That's what you need to do. Parlay points, like I said, we got new blogs up. So if you need comic recommendations, we got you there. Dre Driven's got a new uh, vlog about Harley Quinn on Ooh. HBO Max. So that's going on to Blogs County. We've got a lot of blogs going on. And the subscriber numbers for those are through the roof. So thank you very much. Also, the directory pad. How many providers are we on now? Uh, 8,300. Oh, right on the money. That's awesome. I lose track of it because we're on so many right now. So if we're not on your favorite podcast provider and you go through that whole list because we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I'm sounding like the promo, which you have to redo. Uh, Good Pods, iHeartRadio, you name it. And if we're not on your favorite podcast provider, let us know. We'll see what we can do to get that fixed for you. Check out the classified section where have guys friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcasts. 607 Podcasts, Dragon Master Games, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter, Voter Registration, and all the amazing other pod groups that we are in. You definitely want to go check everybody out there. T Public Store. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can be found at ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So, for the one
1: and only, one j thank, thank you.
0: I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.
3: A ghost, or am I dreaming? we the stand between our toes while we still care The sea of sharks scares me more on dry land The world don't need another band But I don't care I'm not going anywhere And sometimes we rise, sometimes we fall Sometimes I start to question if I'm anything at all Sometimes we fly, sometimes we crawl. I'll always have a reason, as long as I.